0: Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Well, go ahead and get your Bibles open and get your notes out. I'm ready to dive into God's Word. You write a few things down here today because I believe God's going to speak to you personally and intimately today. So today we are going into our Bibles in two locations. So I need you to find Psalm 34. In your Bible, and then find First Samuel twenty-one ten, and mark both places. I'll start with Psalm thirty-four. Go to First Samuel. Come back to Psalm thirty-four. So you're going to be jumping around, so just to make it a little more fun for you, just you know, just just keep you guessing here a little bit. Well, it's Thanksgiving week. Don't you love Thanksgiving? I do, I do. It's uh, we we did a little Thanksgiving survey through the City Life app this week, and and the majority of the people said their favorite thing about Thanksgiving is just spending time with family. Uh, I I you know there were some others that were marked like they really like the marshmallowy stuff and and uh, and the turkey but i i like it all i really do because thanksgiving means i get to spend time with my family i get to enjoy some good food i get to laugh i get to relax i get to just 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 dis- disengage with all the stuff in the world simply be grateful to god for his blessings and rest and sleep or whatever and and we're going to do this even in the middle of the troubled times that we're living with in our nation and in this world. There are other pastor friends of mine that are from other states and, uh, and, and even in Canada where they're being forced to close their churches and, and uh, many are not even allowed to celebrate Thanksgiving with their own families. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting season, to say the least. I mean, there's election turmoil, which continues to go on and, and will for some time, I believe. And, and COVID cases are rising again. And then we're seeing this this severe psychological trauma that all of this is is, is, uh, is, is playing out in some people's lives. And, and really, there, there are a lot of problems surrounding us. We all know that. Uh, this is no new news to you. But this is a season of testing for every one of us. How are you going to respond and how will you come out on the other side? But the truth is, is that all of this stuff that's going on, it can make you feel just very simply weak. Like you just don't have it anymore. I mean, how in the world can you have gratitude and thankfulness at Thanksgiving in the midst of just emotional weakness? And you know what I'm talking about. I'm a pastor, I know you guys, and I I, I interact with the community. How in the world are you going to do this? Well, my title of my message today is this. It's called Gratitude That Defeats Weakness. You know, today we 're going to talk about having gratitude in spite of emotional weakness gratitude that overcomes uh, these negative emotions and overcoming even negative and detrimental and pessimistic thought patterns we're going to we 're going to begin to overcome this today you know too often we we, we, we just tend to base our whole attitude toward thanksgiving and gratitude based upon circumstances so if things are going good if you got a new car if you just got out of debt if everybody's healthy and happy and you're having parties and celebrations all the time and and they're and and all the money's just rolling in and 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 nobody's sick if you have all of that they would say now that's a good reason to be thankful and grateful and of course it is (laughs) but if it isn't is that the reason then to shut down the thankfulness and the gratitude? The answer to that is absolutely no. Because we do this thing, like if things are good, we're thankful. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. That's great. But if they're not, we tend to get weak or quiet or worse. We even begin to speak negative and curse ourselves with our words. See, the the scriptures tell us that we're to have gratitude regardless of of the situation and the circumstances. And I'm going to make sure that we somehow understand that today and that we take that out of here. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, the apostle Paul says this, he says, give thanks in a few of the circumstances that are happening in your life. Isn't that correct? Isn't that the word of God? No, it's not the word of God. Thank you guys for knowing it. No, it says give thanks in all circumstances. I, I researched the word all. Do you know what it means? It means hold your breath. All. <laughs> it does. All is translated as all and, and it says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some of you are seeking the will of God. The will of God begins with giving thanks to God, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on. All means all. And, and this is where we're going to start today. We're going to We're going we're to dig into this and we're going to do this. So I want you to look in your Bibles in Psalm chapter 34. Now, Psalm 34 many of the psalms, including Psalm 34, has a little introduction. It's not its not even one of the verses of the psalm, but it's a kind of a little introduction. And Psalm 34 is actually the psalm that I read earlier right at the close of worship. Psalm 34 is actually my favorite Thanksgiving psalm. It, it has, always has been, so I've just been perusing through it and enjoying it. But But I want us to look at the introduction to Psalm 34. If you see it in your Bibles... It should say something like this Psalm 34 of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. Now, you look at that, you're going, that's just weird. And it is. It is. I mean, it's just weird. It's like, okay, I'm going to introduce this song to you. And this is the song where I pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove me away and I left. Let's all sing together. I, okay, that's just weird. You see, it's weird because we just like, you know, okay, I, I don't know about that, because I, I, I really don't. So you, we, we kind of just push it aside. It's like, let's just get into the psalm, because the psalm is good. That part's weird. But I think we need to talk about the weird part today. I want to talk about that weird part. See, I know that story, and I know the psalm, but... <laughs> This time, as I was researching this and going into this, uh, I realized that the bad circumstances that are kind of there in that little uh, that little introduction—that was the catalyst for writing this psalm. Now. I went into this rabbit hole and I just, I researched and rese- I just, I could not stop. I have more research than I could share in 20 sermons, but I'm going to keep it brief today, but it was so rewarding. Now, again, now I just want to give you a little bit of, of, of texture here with this. David is the author. He was the anointed king already. He had been anointed king already, but he had not yet taken the throne and uh, he couldn't because Saul was the current king even though he was already anointed king. And Saul hated David. He loathed David. David was his archenemy. He could not stand him. David killed Goliath and everybody celebrated him and and Saul was afraid of Goliath and that was kind of the beginning of everything crumbling with, with King Saul. Well, so that's part of the story here. Now, we look at this other part that's in the du- in introduction that talks about Abimelech. Now, Abimelech, just so you understand, that term means king father, like queen mother, king father. <laughs> king father is what that means. Uh, but it, it was really a title more than a proper name. So it was like this would be like a royal title that would be given to a king or a monarch. And in this case, Abimelech, because of the, this term Abimelech is found throughout the Old Testament, referring to a lot of different people, okay? But this, this, in this particular time, Abimelech refers to a particular monarch, and his name was Achish, A-C-H-I-S-H, the king of Gath, And I say, that's really nice. No, this is really intense because (laughs) Gath, Gath was the place where Goliath was from. Gath was the place where the Goliath's family was from. So not only did David kill Goliath, David killed all of Goliath's brothers. David nailed that whole family. Gath was where Goliath was from. So now you're understanding there's a little bit more tension that's here. So David was running from Saul. Saul was out, the king of Israel was out to kill David. And he was hunting for him out throughout the, the, the wilderness and just trying to hunt him down and find him and kill him. And, uh, and so David felt that Gath was safer than Israel. I mean, like what? so you see how bad this was. He's going to Goliath's ex-hometown because Goliath is dead. Goliath's relatives still live there, all right? This is only a few years after the whole Goliath slaying situation. So he thinks he can go there to stay away from Saul, but if he goes, he'll need to keep his identity under wraps. So as long as people don't figure out that he's David through the killer of Goliath and the Goliath family, then he's going to be okay. So So what he did is is he was trying to keep his identity hidden from the people of Gath. and, And in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10, we pick up the story. Now flip over there, okay? We'll come back to Psalm 34. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. This gets good. This gets good. So David was definitely in a tough spot, okay? He was in a place of weakness. He was in a bad situation, Feel like you've got stuff coming at you from every angle. You feel like you've got people pursuing you and you're hiding out. And you're, you're, It's like, what in the world did I do wrong to make all of this craziness happen? Maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe it's God testing you. That's really where David was, a place of weakness. Take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10. Let's pick up the story of when he arrives there in Gath. That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, this is Abimelech, so this would be king, father, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, isn't this David, the king of the land? Okay, pause there for just a second. You've got to see the richness of this. First of all, he goes there and immediately the king's servants are wise up and they go, we recognize this guy. I mean, they didn't have the internet back then. I don't know if they had his image chiseled on stone or handed it out to other people. Who knows? But they knew that that was him. And so David was already busted. But then they call him the king of the land. Do you realize that the foreigners are calling him the king And the people of Israel haven't even called him the king yet. See, he had been anointed king already. Listen to this. There is a destiny for some of you, there's an anointing on you. There is a there's a position that you're going to be taking. And people around you, even the people who are closest to you, don't recognize it. They don't see it. They're not going to applaud it. They're not going to even say anything about it. In fact, they may attack you. But there are others on the outside who are recognizing there's something unique about you. There is an anointing on you. Well, this is exactly what was happening. Except that wasn't the attention he wanted. Look at, just keep looking at this scripture. He says, isn't he the one they sing about in their dances in Israel? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. That was the song that made Saul mad all the time. And, uh, and David didn't teach that to anybody. That's just a song that people made up. And, and, uh, and so look at this. It says, David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. He took these words to heart. Now, what that means is he was listening to what they were saying and he allowed those words to go into his soul which then created fear in him. Okay? Words that are said out there get into your ears, into your heart, and it creates fear. Who has not experienced that this year? Some of you are right there right now. Fear, fear, concern, fear because of what someone says or what they're saying or what's being said on social media or what's being said in the media. Uh, Maybe it's just people talking, but that fear from other people's words, he took it into his heart. He took it into his soul. And when you take that kind of, when you take stuff into your soul like this, you can become negative, you can begin to shut down, you begin to act out. And in this case, David acted out. He acted out, but he acted out of desperation because re- he realizes he's literally between a rock and a hard place. I, I mean, what is he going to do now? So <laughs> take a look at this. The king's service take, takes him to Ashish. It says, So he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. So the way he responded to his fear in these words is he just started acting crazy. I mean, he was drooling all over himself. And and as a kid, I've always had this image of that thinking, wow, how crazy. Because I, I would see him like falling down on the floor and just rolling around. And, and then he's, he's obviously doing some type of like van either even because it says he's making marks on the door well i don't I, at first i used to think he was clawing with his fingernails how many times have you do you think you could like make marks on on a big giant door uh, back in those days with your fingernails no i mean no <laughs> i mean he probably was using just like the weapons he had or whatever he had and he was just messing with stuff and he was everyone was thinking this guy is crazy who does that who does this and, and please, some of you, don't get any ideas from this of how you're going to respond the next time you're in a, in a rough spot. This one's already been done. You'll get found out, okay? This, this has already been done. And don't try it with me because I'm like, okay, David already tried this. Yeah, no, this ain't going to work. But he was fearing for his life, and so he reacted that way. And and even in this season of fear, people are reacting. We're all reacting in different ways. And, and part of it is we've got to stop taking what everybody is saying into our souls to create that fear. But let's keep looking here. So, so Achish, that's the king, he said to his servants, look at that man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? So the king didn't want him around which was great so so uh, the truth is david just barely escaped i mean he escaped he got out of town he got really quick and this then becomes the beginning of the backdrop for psalm 34 now you have got to go to the next chapter to continue to get the rest of the backdrop so look in uh in first samuel chapter 22 verse 1 these next couple verses give you the rest of the picture So so David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went there to him. So, so this term Adullam—it's an interesting term in the Hebrew language. It means to turn aside in a sense, in the sense of hiding or seeking refuge. He sought refuge in Adullam. He sought refuge in this cave. And this is and I, I just thought the parallels of our current culture, everyone's seeking refuge all the time, and that's really what he was doing as well. And 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 and, and he was hiding out trying to get away from everything. Now, Adullam was a community, it was a little city that was built on this hill. And in reality, it was a very safe place. It was what you would call a stronghold because it has a 360 view. You can see anyone coming from, from uh, far away. So nobody's gonna be able to sneak up easily on this community. And, and on this, this hill uh, called Adullam, there are small caves everywhere. Now, when I was a child, again, I, I grew up in church. I pictured the cave of Adullam as this huge Carlsbad Caverns because I had been to Carlsbad Caverns. I was like, how cool. They lived in like the caverns. And and they oh it would have been so wonderful living in the caverns like well no actually that really wasn't quite it it would have been like a, just a really small small cave where they could just be able to get inside he could have some shelter and a few other people maybe but uh, but and those caves are still there they're still there on this hill of Adullam in the uh, in in the, in the ruins that are there but David then obviously took refuge in one of these caves and they called it the Cave of Adullam now and so now here you have have the king, the guy who's anointed, and he's living as a caveman, and you thought you had it rough. Things are going rough for me. Well, you know what? You didn't just about get killed and then, then drooled all over yourself, and now you're a caveman. I mean, so, so things are going bad. All the promises that were out there for him, all of the good things that God had spoken over him, all of the things that were prophesied over him, and now he's all alone in a stupid cave acting like a caveman. What a drag. And that's his reality. That's his reality. The good thing is, though, at least his family heard that he was out there, and so his his dad and his brothers, they, they came to visit him and came to check on him. But then something else happened. This, at his lowest point, this was a low, low point for David. At this low point, people started finding out David was there. And literally hundreds of messed up people. We'll just call them outcasts. They heard that he was there and they brought their tents and they come to hang out with him. Now, those of you who know the rest of the story, David builds a mighty army with them and these are his mighty men and, and all these wonderful things. But we don't know the rest of that story at this point. David doesn't know the rest of the story at this point. He's there alone. And all of a sudden, all these people who were the rejects from society start moving in with him. So you thought you had it bad, now it's looking worse. Take a look at the next scripture. It says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. Why? It's because like people attract. that That's where he was. He was in distress and he was discontented and he was stuck there. And, and so all the other people came to do that. And maybe you're clustering all kinds of people around you and everybody's messed up around you except you, right? Like you're looking around like everybody's messed up. What? Yo, what's the deal? It's just, just me. I'm the only one who's got it together and I'm living in a cave, but still. <laughs> and the more and the more and more people keep gathering around, you know what I'm talking about, guys. Some of you, you say, yeah, that's my family. I, I don't, don't say that to your family, but you can, you can think it, but you need to get through the rest of the song, the story here. So, so they brought their tents, they camped out with them. Look, it says all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. So now he's the leader of this very, very, very motley crew. About 400 men were with him, um, That would have meant that a lot of these guys, we find out later, they had wives and children too. So let's just say a good 1,000 people all of a sudden built, they brought their tents and they came and hang out with David at the cave of Adolam. And the uniqueness of this group was they were all in distress. That means they were all suffering. They were going through hardship. They were in debt. They were not only out of money, They had a negative balance. They were discontented. And it was so bad where they were, they left their surroundings just to go to this place where all of the losers, so to speak, are gonna go hang out together. But you know, I kind of think about it. Isn't that really kind of what church is anyway? If you think that PEOPLE WHO GO TO CHURCH ARE ONLY THE ONES WHO HAVE IT ALL TOGETHER. YOU ARE MESSED UP, (laughs) WHICH PROVES THAT YOU you SHOULD BE HERE WITH US TOO. AND IN THE MIDDLE OF THIS MISERABLE SITUATION, SURROUNDED BY MISERABLE PEOPLE, NOW YOU'RE you're CATCHING THE NATURE OF WHAT WAS HAPPENING. THIS IS NOT PRETTY, but BUT IN THE MIDDLE OF ALL THIS, DAVID BEGINS TO GIVE THANKS TO THE LORD. And he writes this amazing praise song that we call Psalm 34 today. He put it to music. And this, this would have become the praise and worship anthem of all these people. You see, he would not only sing it, but he would, he would have them sing it as well. See, David later on, when he is the king, he actually establishes the Ark of the Covenant there in Jerusalem and, 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 and they begin to do 24-7 worship where they would sing his songs and other songs of worship. They would sing these and play instruments 24 hours a day. See, that was already in David's heart at this time. So, I don't think this is just a thing once a week he's going to get up and sing this song and they're going to have church. I have a feeling this was a regular thing and they began to sing this and these men and those children and those ladies and even David himself began to get this song in their heart and they began to rise out of the darkness that they were in realizing that yeah life might stink but there's there's God. There's God. There's God. You can just imagine him being right there at the edge of the cave of Adullam and hearing the voices echoing all around him singing this song. He's teaching them to praise. He's teaching them to have gratitude in the middle of their weakness. And you might be miserable, you might be weak, and you might have a bunch of people around you that are more miserable and that are more weak than you. And here's what I say to you, you need to start praising. Go to Psalm 34 now, because when you look at Psalm 34 and you read it with an understanding of what was really going on, you're gonna see how gratitude defeats weakness. This is the week of Thanksgiving, and I'm calling you guys to defeat weakness with gratitude. David starts off Psalm 34, look at it, verse one. He says, I will extol the Lord how often? At all times. Again, I researched that all. That is the same all. That means all time. His praise will how often be on my lips? Always be on my lips. I will glory. These are declarations of faith right here. These are, these are, I, what I sense here is these are declarations of, of faith where I, I, this is just what I'm going to do whether I feel like it or not. This is what I've got to do. I will glory in the Lord. And then he says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. You know, worshiping God, giving gratitude to God in the middle of your weakness is an act of your will because it's not an act of your emotions because it's really hard to give gratitude when things aren't going your way and you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who things are going even worse for. But if you're weak and you're afflicted, what David is saying right there, let the afflicted hear my praise. And rejoice. Let them hear, let them listen. Do you think that you could begin to praise God in the middle of your situation and cause the other afflicted people around you just like David had probably a thousand people around them in his camp begin to worship God, hearing him worship God and it turns their hearts? You can start something amazing by changing what's coming out of your mouth and let the other afflicted people around you hear and rejoice. He says this, then he he invites them into worship. He says, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Keep in mind, it was a camp full of losers. It was. And he's saying, let's exalt the name of the Lord together. Come on, guys. And then he testifies. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears what were his fears? well I do know that in the last chapter it had said that he was afraid that he was going to be knocked dead by this king Ashish that he was in Gath and he just everything turned out wrong but God delivered him from his fears so now we get a, get another little glimpse into what was happening with David before he started acting all crazy is he began to seek God because I I believe at that moment when they said hey this is David this is the anointed king of Israel he began to say, "Oh God, help me! Oh God, help me! God, get me out of this! God, get me out of this!" And he's drilling, "God, get me out of this! God, get me out of this! God, get me out of this!" And and so he's kind of praying and acting crazy at the same time. But God delivered him from his fears, and He'll do it for you too. I love those words. Glorify the Lord with me. Those four hundred men, good thousand or so people in distress, suffering hardship, in debt discontented, listening to his testimony that God had did it for me and he'll do it for you. Church, I just want to say this to you, exalt the Lord with me, will you? And then at this point, this worship song turns into a teaching psalm. He begins to teach them, now understand this, they would have put this to memory so the the guys as they were going around the day, you know, sharpening their swords or whatever they did, and the ladies as they were making their tortillas or whatever they made back then. I know they weren't Mexicans, but I still think they had tortillas because tortillas are great. And 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 the little kids playing with their little their little uh, their little Hot Wheels, which you know they the hot chariots. I don't know, but but they were, but you, you can imagine them. They were singing the song. They were singing this. They were declaring this song because this would have been the anthem for these thousands or so people that they. Were were. were just singing this all the time, day and night, they were hearing it. I can imagine David starting off each day saying, we're going to sing it again. We're going to sing it again. We're going to sing it again. And they kept singing it. They got it into their hearts and it became part of them. And it took a group of basic losers and turned them into a mighty army that did great exploits for God. And God did miracles for them. This was the beginning of it. Praise was the beginning of the turning point for this entire group of people. Come on, let's keep looking at this. It says, those who look to him, here's the teaching, are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. The poor man called, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. Looking to God the sh- and, and, and obviously, there, were a lot, there was a lot of shame in that camp because of these guys, what they had been through, and these families. Bunch of shame-ridden people. He says, look to God. Your face is gonna begin to glow. Get that shame off your face as you begin to worship. The shame dissolves. He says, this poor man, that poor man doesn't literally mean financially poor. It basically means in a, in a very bad situation. You're just, you're basically you're helpless or you're troubled. So this helpless and troubled person, whenever you call on God, God is going to hear you and God is going to save you out of a few of your troubles. No, again, there's the word all. He's gonna save you out of all your troubles. This is all about worship and praise in the middle of your weak place. Look on, look look here. Now it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Now pause here for just a second. Do you see this was a big giant camping site (laughs) Now you begin to get the picture. There were tents everywhere. David had his little cave. I guess he didn't need a tent, but everyone had their tents everywhere. This was a, this was a campground. And and they, they were like, well, we're here on this mountain. We're, we're going to watch over. But you know what? He, what David is saying, proclaiming here, is actually the angels have set up a camp on the perimeter of us And God has set up angels in the perimeter of you, your home, your business, your family. So, what in the world are you being afraid of? Because He is going to deliver you. Some of you think this, this needs to be your psalm. This needs to be your psalm for the rest of the year. And then he goes on to say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Now, here again, keep in mind, they had all taken refuge on this on this uh, this place called Adullam up on this hill, thinking this is the refuge. In fact, that's what Adullam, you know, it's, a, it's the place of, of refuge. But David's saying, you know what, it's not the place of refuge, it's not your home, it's not the 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 the, the places that make you feel secure. Here's what should make you feel secure. It's the glory of God, and He says, "I just want you to taste. I want you to sample. I want you to say, this is good. This is good.' Taste it, taste it. You don't have to gobble it all down. Just taste it. Just taste it." I, I have two dogs. I have, uh, they're two little Chihuahuas in my family. I keep. They're, they're going to come up here one of these days. They, they've been wanting to come to church so bad, and Lord knows they need to get saved. But <laughs> there's Peanut and Buttercup, and. I, I like to. The, the dogs like me so much. They do. Why? It's because I give them snacks. They need snacks. And and I talk to them. I, I have a relationship with these dogs. I do. Okay. That's you, maybe if you're not into that, fine. That's your problem. But I like these dogs, and and I have a relationship with them. And I talk to them, and they talk back to me. And they call me. They call me Papa. And they're like, yeah. so Here I am. So these two little Mexican dogs. But but I but, I like feeding them. But here's what I have to do is. I'll take some food, and I'll give, I'll, I'll take the little snack, a little piece of chicken or whatever, and I have one for one dog, one for the other, and I have to give it to him far apart. like, so okay, you dog come over here, you dog come over here, and I'll drop it. Now, Butter, Buttercup, she's the one who's, she has a weight problem, okay, she does. <laughs> You'll see. But Butter, Buttercup, that's why we call her butter. You know, I don't know. Actually, we call her that before this because she's yellow. But, 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 but buttercup, she doesn't care what you drop on the floor. I mean, I can drop a cranberry on the floor, and she's like, ah, she <coughs> swallows it. It's gone. I mean, she just she consumes. She doesn't taste. She consumes. Now, the reason we have to keep the I have to keep the two dogs apart is is because Peanut does not do that. Peanut gently walks up to the morsel of food, sniffs it tastes it, and then slowly, chew. it's like peanut indulges in the wonder of it. No wonder she's so skinny, because then butter comes along and gets the rest. But, but, but she's, she just enjoys the moment. And that's really what the challenge is here, is in the middle of your tribulation, just taste. Just get a sample of God through worship and praise, and watch what God's going to do for you, because it says you're blessed, you are blessed, you are blessed if you take refuge in the Lord God. Come on, keep looking here. This is the psalm. He goes on to teach them, and they would sing this, they memorize this. Fear the Lord, you His holy people. For though, now wait a minute. He calls them His holy people. I, for some reason, I don't think these guys were all that holy. He's beginning to declare over them. What is not yet. But he's declaring good things over them. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Even the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, all of a sudden I said this is called Hebrew parallelism. So he is parallel, he is making a parallel between, between the holy people who fear the God fear God and these people who are seeking God. So seeking God, seeking God is a pathway to fearing God and holiness. And it's beautiful. Sometimes people think, well, I've just got to follow all these rules. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to begin to seek God and your heart is going to change. Seek the throne of God. Your heart is going to change and then you will lack nothing. You will, those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Seek God. You know, the, the, oh, this is beautiful. Okay, let keep going. And then he says, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Again, I, I've taken these scriptures out of context so often, not even thinking about it, but what he's doing now is he's calling these thousand, this thousand people, you know, about a thousand people, saying, come, children. He's calling them children. That's not demeaning them. What he's saying is, we're a family. <laughs> And that's a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be in Psalm 34, praising people who nobody's not perfect. We're all on a journey together, but we're family. And he says, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord reminds me of Psalm 68, verse 6, another one of the scriptures that, 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 uh, that David wrote. In another psalm, he says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I mean, together we will fear the Lord when we function as family. Look at this. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue. It. In other words, watch your mouth. So, so again, you have to get the context here. Obviously, there were some issues with this thousand or so people, definitely 400 men, who were, who were there who had come to surround him and, and, and take up camp, build their camp around him because he is teaching them to do things different than the way they have done things. See, in other words, these guys would have been pretty mouthy. Their words got them into trouble all the time. Next week, I'm gonna be talking about that a little bit more about words. But, but he's saying, watch your words. Start doing acts of works that are good, good works. Start doing good deeds. Simply do good things. Seek peace and stop being violent. Now, I had a look at that. I thought, okay, what, what does he mean there? Because this actually became a warrior group. It began driving out all of these people out of Israel. So why why is he saying seek peace? Because that doesn't seem very peaceful. Well, being peaceful doesn't mean you acquiesce to the enemy. Being peaceful doesn't mean you, if you need to t- advance against uh, uh, you know, a, a force that's taking over your, your life or your home or whatever, that you shouldn't do this. The, the peace that he's talking about there, seeking peace, is an interpersonal, relational type of peace. He is saying, with the people around you, stop fighting with everybody all the time. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. Seek after peace. In fact, pursue it. Run after it. Chase after peace in your interpersonal relationships. And what's going to happen is God's going to give you many days. God's going to give you good things. God's going to give you more life as you begin to do this. So run toward peace, warriors. Continues. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. See, there's a difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. There's a difference between those of us who have been washed in the blood of Jesus and those who haven't. God will pay extra attention to your cry. Yes, he will. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And another thing that's in here, regarding evil people, God will have the final word with them. He'll take care of that. Look look here, keep going. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Again, think of the crowd. Their hearts were broken. They lost so much. They were crushed in their spirits. But God, he's saying that God likes this. God wants to deliver you out of your troubles and he's gonna be close to you. In fact, I believe God is like extra special close based upon the scripture. God is extra special close to people who are really, really going through it. He is with you. Worship him in the middle of your weakness because deliverance from all of your troubles comes just from being weak in his presence and he sustains you. That broken heart, that contract, Right spirit. That spirit of humility is the way to do it. The righteous person, come come on, keep keep with me. The righteous person may have many troubles. And you're saying, Yeah, we do. Okay. There's nothing in the scriptures that says being a Christian means you don't have troubles. You may have troubles, yes. But the Lord delivers him from them all. Do you see the prevailing theme that's through all of this? Is worship God. You have troubles. You're messed up. Things aren't going right. But as long as you keep worshiping God, he's going to deliver you from all that stuff. He's going to deliver you from all that stuff. Keep your heart in the right place. Keep your mouth in the right place. Keep worshiping God. Stay with it. Make God your refuge. It says, he says he protects all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord will rest His servants; no one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. Now, if you go back to verse one, which is essentially the title of this psalm, "I will extol the Lord at all times; His praise will always be on my lips." Always, always, always. Will you make that your? Do you realize you can shift? environments in your home in your workplace in your relationships if you simply make praise to god be in the middle of your weakness in fact i challenge some of you to take psalm 34 and read it aloud at thanksgiving maybe just before everyone eats don't just dig into the food yeah it's gonna look good smell good and if you have kids they're like dying to eat and like, hey, I my food. and you know, I, I know that I, I, know, I know how that works but take time to give thanks to God. Maybe take time to read, take three minutes to read Psalm 34 and let your heart go back to Adullam. When they had it really, 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 really bad and David gave them the formula for breaking out of this and it begins with praise, it begins with gratitude, it begins with thanksgiving and God then strengthens the weak. I want that for you. I want that for you. In fact, I'm going to ask all of us across this room to stand. And I've asked the team to lead us just in a few minutes of worship. As we begin this Thanksgiving week, I'm going to ask you just to indulge in the presence of God. Stop being obsessed with the things that are going wrong. Start being obsessed with the God who will deliver you. Just receive this prayer before we go into just a few minutes of worship. Lord, I pray blessing over this church family, blessing over every person who's watching online. Bless, 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 bless. God, give us new attitudes, new hearts. God, shape us. God, we just make the choice now. We're not gonna fall prey to the fear that's inspired by words. We're not gonna fall prey to all of the stuff that's going around us that's pulling us down. Instead, God, we're gonna praise our way out of our weakness because you're gonna, deliver us and Lord even if we don't see the deliverance tomorrow we're going to keep praising day after day after day after day we're going to keep giving you our gratitude because that weakness goes away with the gratitude of God have you discovered your street of influence whether it be family government business arts and entertainment faith health and vitality or education Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.